right, everybody. Welcome back to the Music Movies Podcast. I am your host, Ben Young, and I'm with my special guest tonight. It's Drew Keen. He's back. We're so lucky to have you. What do you think? Ben, thank you so much. I'm glad that you could fit me in your schedule. It's an honor to be here. Uh, you know, I'm glad we I'm glad we could line it up that we uh, we got this done tonight. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's been pretty fucking shitty though in America recently. I don't know how else to say it. I can't sugarcoat it. And um, I don't know. I don't really have anything to add other than like go watch the Killer Mike speech. I pretty much agree with everything he said. And um, yeah, I don't know. What it, what do you got? Uh, my thing is I don't you know um I don't understand hatred towards another the way that the world is right now. It makes no sense to me. I think uh, the way that we should look at it is everyone should be opportunistic about the life that they have and be happy and love one each other. And really, honestly, go watch the Killer Mike speech. Uh, now is the time to not burn your own house down. It's the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize, and make sure we beat up the people that we don't agree with in the polls in November. Yeah, I'm down with that. And uh, with that said... You know, we're here to just entertain you tonight and uh, take your mind off the news for a little bit and to entertain ourselves, too. I don't know. I want to have some fun tonight instead of look at my news feed or CNN or some other bullshit telling me, you know, the world is ending. So <laughs> you cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's I'm do so it, stoked right? to be here. I'm so stoked, so stoked for everyone listening we are doing one of my favorite movies yeah. of the 90s. Let me show you what we're doing tonight. Look what I got here. Oh, dude, you guys <laughs> don't know this, but Ben Young is the biggest candy extra of all time. The candy man himself holding up a bag of Airhead Bites. Bites. These things Airhead. are so good. Airheads Wesley, one of the bites. worst candies of all time. We're what? talking, we're talking about the 1994 I'm going to call it a cult classic. It is a cult classic, for sure. You don't like Airheads or Airhead Bites? What the hell? I don't know that I've ever had Airhead Bites, first of all. They're Airheads in a bite-sized form. I know that I used to grab the Airheads, and you shake them some bitches till they're the little bites, and then you you jam, you know, you pack them like a lip. Yeah, Um, I do know that. I do know that. We're talking about Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler's 1999 four hit. Airheads. Yeah. I'm so excited to do this movie. I'm so excited. This movie, it's really, I mean, my opening thoughts are it's a really good movie. I wouldn't say it's the funniest movie. I wouldn't say it's the best movie, but it's really fucking solid movie. When I was younger, I feel like the first time I saw it was probably on cable TV. I was reading um, either the oral history or the Wikipedia or whatever, but like, I guess it aired a lot on Comedy Central, and I probably saw it at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning one night and just got hooked, like, midway through the movie, and I was just like, what the hell is this? Because it's really good, and I've never heard of it. I was going to say that for later, but yeah, this movie was an absolute dumpster fire in in yeah. its yeah. We're release. Gonna, we're going to get uh, to that. But what do you, was, yeah, what do you feel about Airheads? I love Airheads, and I, I agree. I think I was in the same spot where, like, you saw it late at night in the morning. Uh, yeah. Two, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, and you watch it like, what the fuck is this? All right, I'm in. Like, I'm into this. 
yeah, really fucking good movie. Um, you know, it was well, fun watching yeah. it and like thinking about like what like the first time you saw like where you were or what I was. By the way, everyone, Ben Young is drinking his straw, his drink out of a straw right now on the podcast, and I am losing my mind. <laughs> Listen, man, straw, Epcot 30th anniversary cup. Hey, man, no spills, no, <laughs> no spills, spills of the straw. So, yeah, man, Airheads, pretty good fucking movie. Um, let's get into it with the. The did you know? Did you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking we should probably set up like some kind of little interlude thing. Yeah. Did you know? Did Something you know? like yeah. I'm keeping <laughs> like that it. all in the pod. Okay. Did you know this movie, Rotten Tomatoes? It had a 21% critic score, 50% audience score. It's not that's, really uh, good. It's not great. If any movie fans are out there wondering if that's good, it's not. It's really bad. It's really bad. I don't like that means <laughs> two, it's two out of ten. Cr- yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad. I don't understand it, though. I mean, I watch this movie and go like this movie was a lot funnier than I remembered it when I watched it. I don't know. The last time I watched it before this most recent time. What do you think? I thought I mean, I I don't I mean, I can kind of understand why this movie wasn't popular, mm-hmm. but. Personally, I think it's great. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I you really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. Like, well, you were one of the few because the uh, few. Uh, it had a $11.2 million budget and it only made $5.8 million in the box office. Oh, man, that's not good. <laughs> it's really fucking not good. Uh, I have written here two weeks after its opening, Air Heads was pulled from theaters and rendered a flop. But yeah, Jesus, here, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but here, I think I got this from the oral history. It says not not long after Comedy Central began running the film on a continuous loop, the film stars became Hollywood fixtures and a cult following emerged. Dude, wh- that's something that I do want to bring up, though. Um, so when I was reading this oral history, it was talking about how at the time the people in this movie weren't like huge stars you go down this cast though it's got brendan frazier steve buscemi adam sandler michael mckean chris farley ernie hudson from fucking ghostbusters judd nelson harold ramis rob zombie was in here i mean this was a who's who the cast lines and again i can see why it wouldn't be such a theatrical success but i think this movie fucking rocks (laughs) It was probably on movies that rocks, right? On uh, H or uh, VH1. VH1. Hey Ben, I have uh, a did you know? Okay, throw it at me. Did you know that Steve Buscemi was 36 when this movie was being filmed, and he's acting like a 20-some-year-old? Is he acting like a 20-something-year-old? They I, say when I looked at it, he's portrayed as a 24-year-old. That's interesting. Um, the reason I ask that is because. Whenever I see Steve Buscemi, I'm like, that guy is just always the same age to me. He's got such an interesting face. What do you think the, about that? The <laughs> ageless wonder, Steve Buscemi. Uh, I wouldn't until, say he's ageless. I'd say whenever I look at Steve Buscemi, it, he looks like he's he's like 50-something. I like, say like, I, until, I, until I saw him in Boardwalk Empire, I thought he was just a character actor. Uh-huh. But he rocks a, in Boardwalk yeah. Empire can't say i've seen that 
but his like his face and skin matches the era of Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> okay. But he's, but he's also a volunteer firefighter, so mad props oh, to him. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. He volunteered 9-11, saved a bunch of lives. Oh, sweet. Yeah, he's a incredible person. But yeah, when I think of Steve Buscemi, I just think of him at the same age all the time for some reason. Like, you're telling me he was 37 years old when he filmed that? 36. 36. Okay, that means he's only five years older than me. Does he look... <laughs> Well, he was thirty. He was, first of all, he's thirty-six in nineteen ninety-four. Okay, what is that supposed to mean? I don't that, know, like they look older back then or something? Well, it's twenty twenty, so that's what twenty-six years ago. What's thirty-six plus twenty-six? No, I'm saying like uh, in the movie, does he look that much older than me uh, right now? Oh, he looks way older than you. <laughs> that's what I mean. Uh, it's weird. They said, he looks it, way older it, than you too. You're not that much younger than me. No. I'm four hundred, and you're thirty. <laughs> um, <laughs> What is it? Yeah. They said it actually added depth to his character because uh, other than Chaz, he was the, I guess you'd call it second leader. Yeah, no, I could see that. Pip is definitely like the low man on the totem pole, right? Pip, Pip is Adam Sandler, by the way. Yeah. Um, ben, do you have any more? Did you know? Oh, yeah, I got a, I got a few more. Um, the movie apparently kind of rips off the movie Dog Day Afternoon. You ever see that one? Sure did. It's a good movie. It's actually based on a true story where these two guys, uh, they set up a bank robbery and it like goes wrong and then they have hostages. And it's a lot like this, except in a bank and not in a radio studio like this movie is. Um, Yeah, Dog Day Afternoon, you should definitely check out. Um, The director, I think his name was Michael Lehman, he actually wanted it to be a rated R movie. Did you know that? I did not know that, but I kind of wish it was a rated R movie. Hell yeah. I think it could have went that extra distance, you know, and I think it would have been maybe a little bit better. I, I This movie was really funny and really good, but I think rated R, you know, Larry David has a funny quote. He's like, curb your enthusiasm's funnier than Seinfeld because you can you can cuss in it. Cussing right. is funny. <laughs> That's And I agree with that. All right. I got a couple more did you news. All right. Did you know? Uh, the Galactic Cowboys, the band in this movie, the enemy band, they're played by the band Gods of Thunder. Have you checked this band out at all? Other way around. Oh, really? Sons of Thunder oh, is the name right. of the band. Galactic Cowboys is the real band. Gotcha. You're right. You are right. Um, I didn't look up this band. When I saw them in the, in the movie, I was just like, Man, fuck these guys. These guys sound like shit. And the lead singer just comes off as the biggest douche. What do you think about that? If your band name is Galactic Cowboys, there's a 100% chance I'm not going to give you the time of day. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Sons uh, of Thunder, though, I actually might give a little one, too. Is it Gods of Thunder or Sons of Thunder? Sons of Thunder. Have you watched this movie? Yeah, I've I've watched this fucking movie. I thought it was Gods of Thunder. No, Sons of Thunder. Oh, God of Thunder is a kiss song. All right, so Sons of Thunder, you're right. I Boom. got more did you, you Ben Young. The song played by the Lone Rangers in the movie Degenerated. It was originally by a hardcore band named Reagan Youth, and uh, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, he sings the lead vocals in the song, 
And actually, it says a couple dudes from White Zombie actually helped record the thing, too. And I actually listened to the original song. I think the version in the movie is actually better than the original song. Did you listen to the original song at all? I did not. Okay. Um, You should check it out. But honestly, the version in the movie, it sounds better than the original song, I would say. I mean, I kind of like Rob Zombie, and I kind of like some of the White Zombie songs, too. Um, This Reagan Youth Band, I haven't really looked up. But when I listened to their version, it sounded very rough compared to the movie version. Like, did it sound like rough or like rough? Uh, like, like a demo tape. Okay. Rough. Not like. So like, are you, uh, so R-O-U-F-F more, rough. It sounded, yeah, it sounded more punk than it did like a metal sort of band, like in um, the movie. I did know that that was, uh, Reagan Youth. I did not know that it was Fraser on the lyrics, so that's a fun little fact. Yeah, I didn't know that, e- I didn't know that either until looking um, Love Brendan Fraser, though. Oh, yeah. He's great in this movie. I mean... He's great in everything I've ever seen him in. How many things have you seen him in, though? That's what I want to ask, because I haven't seen him in, like, a ton of things other than this, I feel like. And Mummy, I guess... Airheads, Mummy. He's phenomenal in Scrubs. I don't think Scrubs is funny. Sorry. All right, man. Well, I guess I'll see you later, then. (laughs) (laughs) I know I might be in the minority on that. I it, people love Scrubs. I'm not one of those people. Sorry. Scrubs is a great show. <laughs> it was it on USA. Your favorite? Uh, no, it was on Comedy Central. Did you finish Mr. Robot? No, I actually didn't get that show at all. You didn't watch that show at all? I, I think I gave the first season a shot, but I didn't give it much after that. What about Suits? Did you finish well, Suits? <laughs> I didn't finish it because it got super shitty near the end, but I did watch the first like <laughs> couple, handful of seasons of Suits. USA Network puts out some great television. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Anyone USA says. Network puts out some great <laughs> television. All right. Plus, we're getting off topic. Uh, do you have any more did you news or are we done with that? We want to get um, into the movie. The only did you know I have is... Um, to reflect in a movie, in a scene later in the movie, is White Zombie is playing at that club. White yeah, Zombie, that, White Zombie was not the first choice. It was, oh. a, it was a toss-up of Cannibal Corpse, Testament, and Metallica. Um, okay, so Metallica is the only band I know of from the few bands that you just named. So, <laughs> you know the other bands? That were? I know, I know all the bands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Cannibal Course couldn't make it because one of their band members could not make the filming, and they oh. didn't want to have a fill-in. Yeah, uh, just from personal experience, if we were like supposed to be in a movie and you weren't able to make it, I would be like, okay, well, we're getting fucking someone else to be here right <laughs> you're now. You're out of and, the like, band. You're out of the, like, what the, what else did the person have to do? It didn't say, just that they couldn't make the, they couldn't make the filming. Testament was on tour, and Metallica was also on tour, so they went with White Zombie. Wow. I mean, Metallica still made out. So right. did White Zombie. It would have been, just been cool. Uh, it would have been cool to see Metallica up there. I don't know. I, I think it's cooler with White Zombie than it is Metallica. 
Say that again. Sorry. I, I think it's cooler that White Zombie was there instead of Metallica. I would rather listen to a half hour of White Zombie than I would Metallica. Um, If that includes Rob Zombie songs, I may agree with you. I can't say that, like, I, I know I said I like some White Zombie, but Metallica's got some decent songs, too. Again, uh, in terms of the genres of music that I'm interested in, or enjoy this is again is kind of like on my the lower side of my list unfortunately i mean not to say that not to say that i don't like this stuff it's just like i have other subgenres of rock that i put above it dude more human than human that song more human than a human what other white zombie songs can you name no it's not my head (laughs) Okay, so what you're telling me is you're going to listen to more human than human for 30 straight minutes above Metallica. (laughs) Yeah, only because I hate (laughs) Lars Ulrich so much. You hate Lars? Why? Is he? Because he's a terrible drummer. I hate him too, actually, now that you say that, because he tried to take down Napster. Yeah. Also, like, love not Napster. I there's lo- like some well, I love Napster. But. Some very questionable drum sounds that they chose with him, and it just does not. I think that's somewhat sound like song one has like one of the worst dr- snare drum sounds I've heard in my entire life. Yo, you know what else sucks? Uh, that Saint Anger production. Oh, that, that is whole record fucking- is terrible, and they made a movie about it too. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking terrible. We'll do um, that one later, fans. Yo, we gotta watch it. Yeah, maybe we will talk about that. So, let's get into the scenes of the movie. The key scenes, the scene by scene. I don't really know exactly what we're calling this section yet, but let's just go through the movie. I mean, it was really good. Uh, uh, the first scene that I have written down here is uh, the girlfriend breakup scene. I think it's a pretty funny scene where she is getting on him about not having a fucking job. And it's like, I kind of agree with her in this scene. It's like at some point you got to fucking put up or shut up because you can't just go on being a struggling musician and not make any fucking money. Um, He's talking to her about how, you know, he got his album or his song to the record label and then it comes out that actually he didn't get the song to him um security stopped him as usual and uh she busts his balls saying like he wrote the song before they were together have you ever done that before wrote a song and then been like um (laughs) have i ever wrote a song and told a chick that it was about her yeah a hundred percent I've definitely done that. Yeah. Have we met? Yeah, of course I've yeah, done that. I knew you did that. I knew you've done that. Um, but um, it's pretty fucking that, funny. But yeah, what do you have to add? With that, I mean, you, she comes in so hot and so pissed off. She does. You know what he does? Again, related back to our Goofy movie, he fucking lies. And her whole demeanor changes. She buys in hook line and sinker immediately when he says then, like oh the record label they're they're picking us up they're signing us basically once again he pulls a max 
and fucking comes clean for no reason well, and says, uh, you know, they, I got to yeah. stop by security. And she just gets, just gets all pissed no, off all over again. You're completely right. He didn't have to come clean just yet. He could have continued to lie. It's like, instead, he's like, actually, security came in. And then it fucking, it's like, oh, so security came in again. Well, guess what? I'm kicking your ass to the curb because you're out acting like a fucking rock star in parentheses. And then he's, and his reasoning, his excuse is basically like, I'm talking to managers. I'm talking to this. I'm talking to that. And it's like, dude, you're not fucking bringing in any money. You're not doing shit. And it's like, you and I have, you and I have been in a band. It's like, that's worth fucking nothing. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're a dime a dozen. You're not doing nothing. So I guess hit the fucking road because it's not helping the situation between the two of them at all. So after that, they show the scene of her throwing out all this shit out the windows. He gets this motorcycle and then he goes in with the brothers, Steve Buscemi and, and Adam Sandler. Minus this is like brothers in bands never work out. Now, I have a question about that. Are they actually brothers? Like I did. I did hear that line in the movie, but is that for real? Like, are they biological brothers I, I believe they're cast as biological brother and with wow. someone like i've been in a band with brothers and with my brother and it just has never worked, never out. worked out no i mean the black crows those guys hate each other oasis hate each oasis other hate each other you know uh van halen they seem to keep keep the peace i think they do that by not talking to each other and we're gonna get to <laughs> van halen later <laughs> You might be right about that, that they just kept the peace by, like, I just, in that band, I just always felt like Eddie was the leader, and then Alex was just like, okay, right. that sounds good. Um, I, that is funny that they're biological brothers. I When they said that line, I wasn't sure if they were actually biological brothers or they just said that, but it's, uh, it's funny within the movie, and it's funny outside the movie too because steve buscemi he's in a lot of adam sandler movies and they probably they i think they are like actual boys in real life oh this movie is full with sandler's boys like there's all oh, yeah, of his all of his sure. boys are in there the cop which the I, cop what's that guy's real name uh oh, he was a caddy was the Alan caddy Bo- in uh Clover. yeah he's also yeah. yeah and he plays in grandma's boy yeah yeah i saw him i was like oh shit like yeah this guy's Sandler's, showing up again. It's Sandler's boys. Dude, he's got the Sandman's boys. Yeah, so I know, that's pretty cool. I, to all those, I love Adam Sandler. I think everything he does is very funny. He's had some stinkers. But. Now, I love Sandler up until... Uh, okay, I'm going to revise this. So, I thought up until Funny People, he was really good. And then he's come out with like some stinkers on Netflix and stuff that would have been like, pretty terrible dude, in, from what Netflix- I've read. Yo, dude, if Netflix plays you that much money, would you put out solid content? Listen, man, I don't blame him for doing it, but I'm not going to sit down and and enjoy it. That's all I'm saying. Like, I get it. Uh, Have you seen Uncut Gems, though? Uh, You mean one of the most stressful movies I've ever seen in my entire life? Fucking God, dude. That movie was fucking awesome. And he was great. And the whole time, dude, I sat here in my theater room and watched it with a few friends. And the whole time, I'm just like so fucking tense the Dude, entire movie like i watched that movie with a 
horrible hangover. I had to leave the movie <laughs> to throw up. I was so stressed out. Dude, that whole movie, I'm going, what the heck? This guy keeps digging himself deeper and deeper into like this whole thing. But we're getting off topic. Should have won Oscars. Off yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, he should have been nominated for an Oscar oh. for sure. For sure, that was shit. But back to the movie. So you were talking about how their biological brothers go brothers ahead. never work out in bands. Pip's the only one with a real job. I yes, mean, that is kind of funny. Dude, he has his own pool cleaning business. That's good business. I mean, it's very seasonal, but it's good business. But where are they? Do, do they're we know clearly the in L.A. Okay, so maybe in L.A.? That could be like an all-year-round thing. That's a good business. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Steve Shaker works at a goddamn toy store. Toy store, yeah. And Chaz has no job. No job, no job. He's writing Degenerated for his girlfriend. That makes no fucking sense. But okay, Uh, we're going to get to that later. So we find out that they're brothers. um, And then the movie moves into a Sons of Thunder concert where we meet up with the the radio DJ and he's introducing the sons of thunder and they're at this concert to see them. And Steve Buscemi, I think is the one that says these guys suck. Didn't we blow them off stage stage, at another show six months ago? Yeah. Six months ago. And, uh, the thing that was funny to me about that scene is that you and I have definitely been in that position before, um, where we've seen another band getting that push or getting like a bigger show. And we've been like, man, that band sucks compared to us. Like what the fuck? And, uh, it was just funny seeing that interaction between Buscemi Sandler and Brendan Frazier, um, talk about another band being at the show and seeing them like, just be like a poser band basically. Cause even I looked at sons of thunder and went, what the hell? These guys look lame as shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been in the crowd for bands that I do not want to see that I definitely thought that my band was better, better at the than, time. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to say about that. Um, but yeah, so then it moves on. They talk on. about, uh, you know, about how they need to get their music in front of the shark, the radio host. Yeah, no, that is the guy's name at the concert so then it moves into them breaking into the radio station and this is a funny scene but go ahead uh i just love in this scene how they put his bank card in thinking that that would open it i almost spit out my drink that was fucking like this scene was really fucking funny what's your what's your code and then he won't tell him so he has to put it in and then the card just gets eaten (laughs) so the card gets eaten, and then Steve Buscemi's character. What is Buscemi's character's name? Uh, shit. His name is Rex. Rex. So Rex. <laughs> so Steve Buscemi, Rex. He decides move out of the. Way. He's like move out of the way. Let me try this. He takes a fucking straw and shoots soda into the thing, thinking it's gonna short circuit the fucking thing. Like the lock people didn't think that right. uh, that was that, an actual possibility yeah. of trying to get into that yeah door. dude i saw that it started cracking up him shooting the fucking soda into that lock i also just love like the door opens and it smacks sandler right in the face oh yeah 
And then she comes back with ice out of nowhere. Out of nowhere? Yeah, where was that ice? It and was then, just, like, sitting right there. Brendan Fisher just nails the fucking backpack on, yeah. the, on the side of the oh door. Oh, my God. It was just, like, flawless boom. Also, Sandler just could have stuck his foot out and stopped the door. <laughs> he was laying right in front of it. He really was. He should have... I mean, Pip is probably the the dumbest out of the three even though he does have a full-time job like you had mentioned earlier with a real job yeah yeah um you would think that he'd be able to have the foresight to just be like oh let me just stick my foot out here instead it's like it's got to be brendan fraser dropping a bag from the top of the fucking uh studio i do wish that they uh, you know did a little more emphasis on the storyline of the one cop's wife cheating on him with Pip. That, okay, so that does come up later in the movie, and I don't think that's something that I picked up on uh, the first few times I've watched this movie, but that the cop was, or the cop's wife was hooking up with Pip, and that is pretty fucking funny. Let's talk about how the radio host, the shark, is an absolute alcoholic. Yeah, always drinking. Just (laughs) butt heavies. You know what? Yeah. He doesn't like uh, the music that they're playing. It's pretty obvious because even at the Sons of Thunder concert, he's like, Jesus Christ, this stuff is crap. Like, I don't enjoy doing what I'm doing, basically. But maybe he's getting paid a decent amount of money, especially at that time. I mean, radio stations were still kicking it before fucking Napster came along. So and then they introduced Milo, who some of you might know from a little film. Ben, you want to tell him? Uh, yeah, so this is something that I figured out just recently, actually. Milo, played by Michael McKean, he's also, uh, David St. Hubbins in the movie Spinal Tap, another music movie that we'll have to talk about down the road. Something that I didn't even realize until, like I said, until recently. Um, I want to talk about this scene, though, like the whole thing with them being in the studio, uh. It's pretty hilarious that they just think, oh, yeah, we could just walk in here and just be like, hey, uh, play our demo tape. Like, as if the shark would be like, yeah, okay, guys, let's yeah. just play it for no you. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah, like, that's not how it fucking works, dude. Coming Especially, right up. Yeah, coming right up. Uh, we got the loan. Ra- I mean, he doesn't know at the time, but, you know, it's just, that's just a fucking funny scene um it's just interesting because i mean obviously not a lot of people have been in a radio station to where you and i have been on the radio numerous times before it is such an organization that there's no way any of this could ever happen (laughs) that's a good point too it's like uh super locked down and super super strict like, when it comes I'm, to what they play on the fucking radio, yeah, because they like, gotta like sign up for things to be able to play certain things. Um, I, when we were in there, it was no cell phones. Do not text or call anybody. Turn your cell phone off. I don't think that we even could turn text anybody, just because it was just like no cell service. If we uh, were able to bring anything in, but yeah, you're right. You know, you're limited to what you can say. Yeah. And if you're trying, to, if you're gonna play live music, like you have to be dead quiet. Yeah. Other much, than because it'll playing. pick up everything. Yeah. Right. Um, 
but yeah, this was a really funny scene. Um, I liked how it was either Brendan Fraser or Steve Buscemi who goes, we don't like to limit ourselves to labels. That reminded me of our band because I was definitely like that back in the day when we had our band is like, Oh, we don't like to limit ourselves to labels. And that's some like artsy shit that bands do like to say, like, just saying like oh we're we're so different and it's like at the end of the day not really <laughs> it's not like really. I mean, like also, like oh like our band was like a pop punk emo type band almost you well, know i think i think they, they label themselves as, as power slop i don't know what yeah. power slop I is i have no fucking yeah have no clue what power slop is um but yeah when michael mckean walks in though uh that's when shit starts to go down he gets all pissed off that these guys are in there he's like yo you guys shouldn't be fucking in here what's going on and then that's when they whip out the fake toy guns from the store that steve buscemi uh works out again this is where peer pressure just comes in and delivers so hard (laughs) now what do you mean by that in terms of peer pressure oh because because buscemi rex grabs the gun first is come on chaz and then he grabs it yeah it's like and then all right here we go yeah goes into like just swan dives into it yeah and then just goes i am rock and roll i am rock and roll this scene is so fucking funny because uh one of the things that's great about it is when um Buscemi, or not Buscemi, uh, Frazier, he's like, you know, everything was cool until this penis had to step in. Penis, yeah, penis. <laughs> yeah, penis. He's like... Because it's not rated penis, R, so you have to say penis. Yeah, penis stepped in. Yeah, I guess you're right. That is part probably why he had to say it that way, because otherwise he would have said just penis or like... Or dick. Cock, or yeah, yeah. you know... But this pen is stepped in. I started cracking up when he said that, dude. And you know what else he says during this scene that kind of resonated with me and would probably probably resonated with you a little bit? He goes, do you know what it's like to be on the bill to play for 15 minutes and the only guys there are the other bands and their the girlfriends? Other bands and their girlfriends. <laughs> I was like, yo, this guy is speaking to me because, that, yeah, I yeah. do know what it's like. It's when an, that shit an absolute that. uppercut to the feels when you literally only play to other bands. It's, and and we have been there way too many times. <laughs> it's fucking awful. It's like, why the hell are we even doing this shit? Right. Because pl- it's like, I, it was, it's, it's, I mean, you do it because you enjoy to do it, obviously. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you're expecting this many people. And then you get to the show. And it's like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Nobody's no, walking. Nothing here. humbles you more than playing to nobody. Like, yeah. you, you know, you have band practice live on stage is what you're doing. I mean, and you still and you, it's you, it you sucks still bring you're, it. you're delivering everything that you have. <laughs> and just there's no one there to see it. There. It's just funny. I mean, when you're in a band especially now definitely back then too but it's like you really just gotta play every show that you can and when there's nobody there you still play it and this this uh brendan fraser scene spoke to me when he was saying that is what i'm getting to um so the next scene i have written down here well 
basically the people at the radio station they give in and they're like okay let's go play your tape then you got us held hostage the people at the radio station think that the guns are real so they're like all right fine we'll play your we'll play your tape uh and the demo that they have though it's not a cd and it's not a regular tape it's a fucking or a cassette. Real to, yeah, it's yeah, real it's to real cassette. it's a fucking real to real so Adams or uh, they have to get a reel to reel player in there. They get it all set up, and uh, before they go on, uh, the guy, what's the radio station? Uh, Marcus or the shark? No, the shark, the shark, yeah, the shark. The guy goes, he's like, So, what's your band name? And they're like, <laughs> and The thing that's so funny about this scene is that. Even Chaz is like smiling, like, oh yeah, this band name is so good. They're like, oh yes. And they're like, uh, we're the Lone Rangers. The Lone <laughs> Rangers. Yeah. And the shark is like, the Lone Rangers? You can't pluralize Lone <laughs> Ranger. And you're not alone. There's three of yeah. you. And with that said, Keen, I have a question for you. What's a worse band name? Justin Swingline or the Lone Rangers? I I mean I've always hated the, the name Justin Swingline, but the Lone Rangers is a terrible band name. I mean I think the worst band name ever is Hoobastank. I think it's a terrible band name. <laughs> Hoobastank. That's another really bad name. Uh, uh, Bush is another terrible band terrible name. Terrible band name. I mean there's a lot of bad band names out there. Garbage. Lone... Is that a bad band name? Would you say? It's just easy. To, well I don't know. It's just easy to say. That you know, oh, garbage. That band's garbage. Um, but Lone Rangers might arguably be one of the worst. Worst band, band names. Because, <laughs> you, because, like he says, you can't pluralize fucking Lone oh, Rangers. It right. doesn't work. But they try to play the tape and then. Eaten up by the machine, which I'm not. It might have happened, but I don't know if that would ever happen in real life. Yeah, it was a little bit over the top, but whatever. And then it ends up getting burned on top of that somehow. I don't it know. It lights on fire. It's like, yeah, it just lights on fire. And it's like, okay, all right, I'm still into the movie. It's really funny. It's like, all right, whatever. But the whole thing, the whole plot for these guys is all fucked up because they wanted to get their song on the radio. And they're so, like, oh, shit. The, Songs ruined. They have their guns drawn. Yeah, they and had then, the, well, uh, they had their they had their guns drawn. But when the song doesn't play, they're like, "Oh shit, uh, run!" So they right. try to run out of the radio station, and that's where they see that cops are being deployed to the radio station because um, I think it's well, the agent Michael Richards called the opposite called the cops. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Michael Richards called the cops. They try to escape, and they find out, oh, shit, there's cops here. So now it's like, oh, fuck, we better just stay here then. And, uh, yeah, I guess we're taking over this radio station. And they, they're they like, they're in the thick of it now. Um, one of the funnier scenes, I thought, in this movie was when Buscemi and Sandler they're like going over how to be scary. Like Sandler's just like a overall nice guy. Okay, get over there, please. Thank you. What are you, a crack baby? Give me that. I got it. I give me, give right, me. All right. I'll show you. All right. 
you! You shut your mouth, you chicken-sucking bastard! I'll stab your eyeballs out and piss all over your brain! It's gonna be a slaughterhouse in here! Dead bodies flying through the air like freaking ragdolls on fire! I think that scene's very good uh, because the um, Michael versus characters in the um. Oh yeah, he's in the. He's in the units. The, 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 the air air tunnel. Yeah, the, yeah, the AC unit. Uh, and, he's, and he's hearing all of this to be, you know, oh, we're gonna go violent is like kind of what he's going at. You know, Michael Richards' role in this was kind of weak. I thought overall, I guess it did need to be there to move the plot forward a little bit, but he was just kind of, you know who else was annoying in this now that we're on it? Cause I'm not going to bring him up ever again in this. Probably. Uh, David Arquette, his character was like annoying as shit in this movie. I felt like, I mean, I like David Arquette. I think he's great and ready to rumble. I think he's fucking phenomenal. I mean, he just oh. plays this. He just plays the surfer guy in this movie, which is fine. I like when they, they try to do a joke that like, it looks like he's jerking off, basically. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know, man. It's not funny to me. He's just sort of annoying. But uh, Michael Richards, though, also just like just a weak role. I get the diehard joke where he's like in the AC units like we had just talked about. Right, with the Zippo. Yeah. Um, but that Buscemi and Sandler scene talking about how to be like intimidating, I thought was really funny. Um but it moves on to where they're making demands. To uh, well, they don't make demands. Yeah, they just want to talk at the first time, and then they make the crazy demands. Yeah, you're right. They just want to talk at first, but then who is it that tells them like, "Hey, you should start making demands"? Somebody starts saying the shark. Like, the shark. Yeah. Yo, the shark, unsung hero of this movie. He's, he's, he's on, on their side the whole the time. Side the entire time. The whole fucking time. He goes, hey, why don't you start making some demands? So right. they start making these crazy demands. Well, before this, so Chaz gets off the phone, um, and he goes outside, and he walks out, and he meets Ernie Hudson, also known from Ghostbusters, face-to-face um, -face in the parking lot. He could be arrested right there, bang, movie over, Shut the door, click, run credits. Instead, I'm I'm pretty sure he's like, so like, what are your demands? Or what, what are your demands? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's Which like, is... uh, we'll have to think about it, right? And um, uh, before we get to the demands, um, they do the radio call-ins, and Mike oh, the Judge. Oh, call-ins are good. Yeah, talk about Mike, this. Go ahead. Yeah, Mike Judge, he plays both Beavis and Butthead. He calls in. It says the Lone Rangers suck. <laughs> so I saw the I saw at the forum. They suck. They suck. I read that this should have been on a did you know, but I read that this was early on with Beavis and Butthead. So like this was kind of fairly new when this movie came out, the Beavis and Butthead voices. I think that was I think yeah. that's a pretty cool add in. Yeah, I mean it was I mean that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so then they get to the demands. It's uh Steve Buscemi's character Rex. And yeah. Adam Sandler's going to pip that make the demands after yeah. being told by the shark to make demands. Yeah, the shark that's on their side throughout this like, entire movie for whatever reason. Um, so crazy with. Yeah, the thing that uh, I thought was funny with this, the Brendan Fraser is like so pumped about asking for a PRS guitar. 
like uh, PRS guitar. I don't know, man. Not a f- not much a fan of the PRS. I'm also, sorry. Also not a fan. I would never ever ask for a PRS guitar with a dragon inlay. Yeah, the dragon inlay too. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I guess that's cool for a metal guy. I, I mean, guess. no disrespect whatsoever, but fuck PRS guitars. <laughs> so i wanted to ask you though did would you have any crazy demand like what would your craziest demand be well if i was in this uh, in that position obviously the record label and and you know make sure i come out clean on all of this i mean dude i asked like a 57 less paul like i would do something like that and i'd ask yeah for, that okay like some super rare guitar how about a rare instrument not a regular ass prs guitar with a dragon inlay give me john lennon's rickenbacker like give me some nuts i'm not gonna ask for a, i would i mean i would buy a prs right now if you they pay do for ask for a nude picture of uh b arthur yeah br okay so that's kind of funny and like I super random but the scene where he's filling a football helmet with cottage cheese <laughs> oh yeah as one of the demands yeah yeah that's kind of funny but yeah like if you're asking for real gear Get some real gear, like like the top of the line shit, not a PRS guitar with a dragon. I've I worked for a Guitar Center for a little bit. I I've played some like, you know, ten thousand dollar PRS guitars. They're fine. Yeah, yeah, you know, in Disney World, as we talked about on a Goofy movie, I've been to Disney World a bunch of times, but they used to have a guitar store in downtown Disney, now known as Disney Springs. They had like a twenty thousand dollar like Jimi Hendrix guitar in that fucking place. Like, how about get like, you could go to Reverb.com right now and find hundreds of thousand dollar guitars. Like, ask for something like right. that, not just like a, not like a a simple type of guitar is what I'm saying. Right. Maybe that maybe that's what I would ask for. I honestly, off the top of my head, if I'm like doing that, I, I like. I wouldn't be in the mindset of thinking I'd be able to get out of it, so I'm not really sure what my demands would right. be. I mean, but okay. de- he was dead on PRS guitar, Dragon Inlay. Uh, yeah, and he's like, soup, yeah, like you just said, dead serious, thinks he's getting also, it, going to play shout it. out PRS from Maryland, close by. Well, they're not going to care now that you said fuck PRS guitars, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I stand by fuck PRS guitars. <laughs> um, so... After that scene, I have written down Milo is found to have signed a deal to change the format of the radio station. What do you think about this? Uh, I think this reminds us, as as some of our East Coasters might know, uh, relates to our Y100 oh, radio station. Yeah. I have this written down, yep. Which was arguably one of the greatest radio stations of all time. It was so fucking good, and when it went down, I was like... I was super fucking upset, dude. I mean, I'm keep in like, you and I went to more than one Y100 Presents concert. Oh, yeah, Feastable. I think we definitely went to Feastable, maybe Festival once or twice. But when Y100 went down, this was like pre... Uh, it was definitely pre-Spotify. Yeah, we went, definitely... to, we went to Feastable my, fr- my freshman year of high school, which was 2004. Yeah, so it was definitely it was definitely pre-Spotify and like all the streaming services and all that shit. Um, I think the biggest things then might have been like MP3.com, 
pure volume. I don't even know that MySpace was around yet or not. It might have not been. But, like, when Y100 went down, dude, I was, like, I was upset, man. Because that I was, was a yeah. great that was a great radio station. That was, like, the only radio station I really listened to. It was the only music, that, the only thing that put out original, local, alternative you know, music type of rock. Yeah, right. man. It like, so our only other station was like WMMR and WMMR played, you know, like ACDC queen, Led of, Zeppelin, which is like cool, of, but I mean, shout out to Pierre Robert. I mean, they did, you know, oh, his yeah, yeah, yeah. Great radio host. And he put blocks out of just phenomenal yeah. music. I mean, WMMR played Friday. I'm in love by the cure every Friday. And I love that. Yeah. Hey, man, WMMR is cool, but Y100 just had a different type of spin to it that, uh, you know, it was cool to listen to. And when that yeah. went down in this movie, when they were talking about changing formats, this definitely reminded me of that. And it also reminded me of when uh, 94.1 WYSP also uh, changed format to another rock station in Philly that went to um, Sports Talk radio i wasn't uh as huge of a fan as that as i was y100 but but yeah man when this whole scene went down i was like shit that shit actually does happen and my favorite scene of this is um which i think goes undiscovered in the film is when milo tells the group of people that it's when he's listening Susie with two z's puts her her head in her hands and just goes all those blowjobs are nothing it's like, a funny fucking line. It's definitely something that wouldn't fly today, but no, it's it's sne- it sneaks in there it's like sneaky. just just the whole like you know if you know it's not who you know it's who you blow like it's hilarious. It is pretty yeah. funny. You know, it, it's a terrible statement. And again, would not fly today, but like <laughs> her only reaction to in, in the context, it's funny. Her only it, reaction to the news is oh, all those blowjobs like, for nothing. Oh my god. Yeah. So one of the demands made on the phone to the cops is that they get a record contract. And the cops are like, all right, fine. Um, Steve Buscemi's the one talking on the phone. And then Frazier is like, well, wait a minute. What the fuck? He's like talking to Buscemi's character. And it's basically like, hey, we should get that unsolicited. We should earn the record contract. But Later on in the mo- in the movie, Harold Ramis he comes over to the radio station and is like, "Hey guys, I got a record label for you. You should just sign it, or a record uh, contract for you. You should just sign it right away." And that's when they start questioning him about like how legit he is, and they all know that he's not up to to snuff, basically, and uh. So they ask him questions like, what's, uh, so what's the first question? It's, he says something about Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, doesn't he? Well, he says he, he can make him as famous as Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And then Steve Buscemi is like, what does he say? Marky Mark, that guy sucks. That guy and sucks. It's, <laughs> and it's funny because Marky Mark played the rock star in the right. movie that we talked about. To have someone you know? also, <laughs> Drew Keen. Special guest, huge fan of Marky Mark. Yeah. And it, he's like, that guy sucks. So then they go, okay, if you're also, a real... Also, I love the, the absolute disgust. 
that guy sucks. Yeah, they, dude, they were way disgusted. So they ask him, okay, if you're a legit record label, you know, A&R guy, basically, whose side do you take, Van Halen or David Lee Roth? And he answers, uh, Van Halen. And they're like, oh, he's a cop, he's a you cop. know, immediately. Well, that was and, strike uh, one, and then do strike two is who went in oh, a yeah. fight, Lemmy or God. Yeah, and, and then go, he says, he says God. God, and then they go, trick question, Lemmy is God. And the funny thing about that is that Lemmy is in the the crowd around the, the radio station. Yeah. Um, but I love that scene. Um, the Van Halen rift, you and I texted about it. Um, I thought there was maybe a little bit more to it, but you basically stated that it was basically a rift between David Lee Roth and Van Halen and the fans taking sides between Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth, right? Yeah, I mean, they split up. Is it either like Van Halen or like Van Hagar? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Hale Remus is great. He's, he goes, they sold a lot of records as Van Hag- uh, with Sammy Hagar, which is very true. They sold a lot oh, of yeah. records with Sammy Hagar. They might have Thank sold you. more. But, um, Roth is the best but I mean, yeah, if I'm listening to Van Halen, from some, also, Daily Roth was only in the band because he had a PA system. Hey, he was, well, that's kind of a callback to another movie we talked about. It's called Rockstar, when uh, yeah. Stephen Jenkins comes in and goes, I brought a great PA system in here, and uh, like, that is true, the, though. I had The heard origins that. of Van Halen is they played numerous shows without a lead singer, and then, uh, you know, Daily Ralph had a PA system, and that's why they yeah. he was the lead singer. And, dude, Diamond Dave, probably one of the best frontmans of all time. Could he sing? Not really, but he could fucking put on a show. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's got a unique voice, I would say. Um, I mean, we saw him with Van with Daily Roth yeah. and Van Halen. The thing that I didn't like about David Lee Roth when we saw him, he just tried to oversing, and by that I mean just like stick to how the albums are. Instead, he was like trying to do all these things with his vocals. It kind of annoyed me, but I wouldn't say that he oversang. I think that he tried to sing. <laughs> oh, okay. Originally, like his original tracks, he was you know he tried to sing instead yeah. of doing just what the tracks are. Gotcha. That's fair. Um, so they pretty much sniff him out and, and are like, hey, he's a cop. And then it turns out, I guess he he was a cop. I mean, the cops take him back and they're like, yeah, all right, that didn't work. So we're going to have to try to do something else. And that's where um, the A&R guy from the beginning of the movie, Judd Nelson, who's also yeah. in... Breakfast uh, Club. Breakfast Club, exactly. Jimmy Wang. Well, I think it's coming ahead because there's the scene where the cop calls out Chaz for being Chester. Was it a cop that called him out? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Go ahead. So, you know, he calls him out for being Chester, and then he has this whole confession scene with his girlfriend. So what happens is he calls him out some bullshit, and he goes, hey, man, I used to be a loser. I used to have short hair. But now I don't. And, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm holding nine people hostage. And now I'm a rock star with Zillies here watching me hold up people. The whole crowd goes wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whole crowd, <laughs> whole crowd. 
hey man, you're coming clean. But keep in mind, he's coming clean, still holding like nine people hostage. People hostage, yeah. And that's where Lemmy, he even that's is where in Lemmy the crowd. Comes in. Yeah. And he goes, my name is Chester. I did this. And he goes, <laughs> I was the editor of the school yearbook. Is what he yearbook. Said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. So after the Lemmy cameo, let's move on into when they get back into the radio station. You know, they got the real gun back from um, Michael Richards' character, who was, he was a pretty lame character in my opinion, but they yeah, got they the real gun. They used the baby bottle to knock him off. Yeah. Also, got, again, to prove that the shark is on Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. The shark, he hands over to the gun to Brendan Fraser. is like, hey, man, I don't fucking want this thing. Like, rock and roll. Let's go. Yep. And uh, so we're back into the radio station. They send in Judd Nelson to give them a record contract. And Brendan Fraser, he's, like, kind of skeptical about it at first. He's like, I mean, he is definitely scared about the situation, I feel like, at the same time, but is skeptical of the record contract. Um, And Judd Nelson is trying to convince him to sign it because Judd Nelson's like, hey, this is a great PR stunt for free, basically, you know? And he tells him, he goes... Vince Neal only did 30 days and he killed somebody. Dude, what he said that? I was like, oh shit. Keep that's mind, a little that is fucking that's real, man. Very true. Vince Neal did kill the guy from Hanoi Rocks. That's a very true thing. Yeah, when he said that, I was like, oh fuck. Like, that was uh, some real shit. And Brendan Fraser's like thinking it over, like, uh, all right, then, uh, after you listen to our song, then, okay, we can go sign. So, uh, I think some time passes, and... Also, keep in mind, Vince Neil did kill somebody. Uh, yeah, you said... <laughs> like, I can't stress yeah. that enough. Yeah, it's That's fucked up. That's a legit up. thing. It's fucked up, but some time goes by, and then Milo and Judd Nelson, they look over the record contract, and during this time, one of the better songs in this movie plays. It's called Unsatisfied by the Replacements. I don't know if you know that one or not. You probably I know, do. I know the Replacements. I thought one of the best songs in this movie was um, Show Your Love. They do a cover of Van Halen in this movie. I think, I mean, I gotcha. that, was, that was a we'll, cool song. We'll but. talk about the songs later, but uh, it's pretty on the nose, when unsatisfied is playing and uh Brendan Fraser is showing shown because he was unsatisfied with the record contract situation. Um but the thing that's funny though is that when he does get the record contract, he signs it right away. Without then, even reading it. He without just even fucking... fucking reading it. Yeah. He doesn't read the thing at all. He's just like, oh we got a record contract. The only reason that he goes back on it is because it's like, oh, wait a minute. You guys didn't listen to our songs as if it would have made that much any of a difference. difference. You didn't fucking read any of it. Side it's, note, if someone was offering a record contract with all the music, I'd be spot on. Like, let's go. Well, that's what I wanted. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, what would it take for you to just sign the record contract Sight unseen, basically, 
Um, Dude, side on scene, if you offer me like more than I was already making, the answer is yes. I would sign anything. I feel like for me... Even, I'm the person that I would sell out in absolute heartbeat. And yeah, so I like, feel well, like for you know, me... Hasbro, you want to sign me? Sure, make a fucking cartoon character. Let's go. I think in that situation, yeah, I'm signing right away. I feel like for me, it's like a a balancing act in terms of like how much money versus how much creative control I have. So like if they're offering me $10 million, but I have to do whatever they say, I'm like, all right, fine. If they offer me like $50,000 and I got to do all that, then I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know what I mean? You offer me life-changing money. The answer is yes, for sure. I'm signing right, right away. Uh, I guess when, right I guess away. I'm just thinking of I'm thinking of it in like a more uh, specific manner. In that, with record contracts, a lot of the times, like the contracts are like the money goes to the recording costs, right. especially during that time, you know. And then you end up with like fucking nothing. So he didn't look at it at all. And signed it right away. It was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And then he also, like, tried to call it null and void, like, on stage. Like, that would never <laughs> happen. It would never happen, no. Like, After dude, you signed, signed it, it, man, you signed fucked. it right away. You fucked. Yeah. You're he tried, fucked. And he tries to wipe his ass with it. And I guess that was kind of funny, but it's like, you can't do that. Like, you I still signed it. That whole stage performance, also, I love the... Uh, the Pip, do I an idiot? Because I've been in oh, situations all right, well, where... Let's get, to that. let's get to that scene, then. I've been uh, like, the concert like, at like, that. In, uh, like in our first episode, we talked about like, me wearing makeup. Like yeah. I've been in situations where like, do I look like a fucking idiot? And uh, they don't touch us until, but like, you might think that you might you look like an idiot, but to everyone else in the crowd, you're the coolest motherfucker in the room. Regardless of what you're wearing, you Regardless think? Regardless of what you're wearing. Dude, I have literally tested the waters of, like, all right, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear this. And I'm still, like, people are still swooning over me. Oh, you're so cool. I'm so, dude. <laughs> uh, I wish that everyone could see me flip my hair. I'm so cool. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so, so cool. This scene, uh, yeah, so basically... They also, keep in mind, I just ahead. looked at my girlfriend and she just shook her head saying that you're not so cool. Looked at me and was like, no. I, I agree with her. I agree. So, uh, so the end of the movie, they decide, Brendan Fraser decides, okay, how about, or they come to a, a compromise. Judd Nelson gets on the phone and he's like, hey, fly in like a bunch of amplifiers and uh, PA system, a stage. Let's have them play a concert so I can hear their their song. And Brendan Fraser, I guess, is like, all right, cool. You'll get to hear our song. And so this unfolds in a way that Brendan Fraser is not down with because it ends up being like Top of the Pops where they're not playing live. They're playing to their song through the loudspeakers uh, via. This is actually a question I had. How the fuck do they have their tape? Because well, right. is it from the, is it the, from the is destroyed it the, tape? Yeah, so the reel to reel is destroyed. The the cassette tape has been pissed on 
ran over by cars and like is it the cassette tape from the from the girlfriend that they I mean, play through the loudspeaker that would have sounded like shit i mean yeah it's not it's not addressed I mean, that's one of those like movie magic plot holes yeah, i like, mean what the hell i watched it and go wait a minute where did they get because it sounds perfect coming through you know, the speakers like, you know what like, i hate is like that dude the shark like hands chaz like oh like here's the guitar the guitar yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense at the end but basically the band is like fuck it we're gonna act like we're not actually playing because we're not actually playing we're not actually playing yeah yeah and uh then we're just gonna stage dive it kind of reminded me of Nirvana did a thing where they were on top of the pops and they decided, oh, we're not going to fake like we're playing the instruments because we're not. Also, um, like, has, to anyone who's ever stage dived, Ben, have you ever stage dived? No. <laughs> no. I don't think Tor- I have. I, I, don't think I, I have, have stage dived numerous times and I have been, I have fell and been kicked out of clubs way too many times to stage dive. Yeah, man. It's, it's not safe stage stage diving. So last scene yeah. in the movie I have is um after the um live show they have their live from prison show. Yeah, this is a funny scene. And I think it's awesome. I love the how do you want to call it? the 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 groin thrust thrusts <laughs> that Steve Buscemi is doing and and Adam Sandler's looking at him, he's and he's going, "What the fuck you doing, man? Like, what the hell?" And like some of the prison inmates are looking at him, like, "Oh, we're gonna." Do <laughs> you think they're shaking their head? I thought they were like, "Oh, we're gonna get you tonight." Oh, I thought it was like, like I thought it was like, man. Also, like if you ever, I mean, some of you may never, if you've ever been on stage, you got you cannot hear anything on stage. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Like, I've definitely shouted at you numerous times, and you just like, what? Yeah, no, that what? definitely happens. It's like, you gotta be really close to the guy to hear what the hell they're saying. In this, it's like, he hears them perfectly clear. Um, it's a funny scene. It's it's cool to see that the shark is now, I guess, their manager. Their manager, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, and he goes, he's on the phone, and he's like, they're going to get out in six months. Actually, it'll be only three months if they're, like, if they're good. Good behavior, basically. yeah. Good behavior, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and that's the end of the movie. I mean, it's a really, it's a funny movie. It's a good an hour and a half to spend, I feel. I agree. I think it's a very good. I mean, if you have it, I to for me, I would stop my day to watch this movie, only because I grew up on it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So the movie ends. Um, they're at the prison, and uh, it turns out the band goes triple platinum <laughs> because of what, because of their little stunt that they pulled at the radio station and which brings up the you know i have a bunch of questions for you but it brings up the main question for me do the ends justify the means good question um, <laughs> like was it worth it is basically what i'm asking i don't think it was okay 
All right. Now, why why do you say that? Go ahead. Well, maybe. I mean, this relates to our overall general question of does the music make the movie or the music make um, or the movie make the music? In that time period of 1994, uh-huh. does like I think that the music might make the movie at that time period mm-hmm. like keep on like i mean hair metal and like you know speed rock is it's on the decline nirvana sliding in Soundgarden is sliding in maybe that the lost the the lone ranger sign sound is not what's popular right now but they went triple platinum, though. That means so a platinum record sells one million units. Um, so triple platinum, they sold three million units. At that time, was it worth it or no? I mean, at that time, records were selling a lot more than they are now. I mean, like, does right. anybody sell any fucking records now? Um, yeah, maybe it. I've been back and forth on this question. I don't know. Well, when you phrase like that, I'm talking about in terms of the band, was it good for the band to do what they did? That's what I'm asking. And would you have done it? Oh, you're okay. So you're, so you're saying a hundred percent. It was worth it. Okay. If I was asked to do it, I'd be apprehensive for sure. If you were the drummer of the Lone Rangers and this whole thing played out the way that it did, you had to do six months in jail, but your band went triple platinum. Do you think it was worth it? That's what I'm asking you. I would do it if I, you know, if I'm playing Pip and I'm dumb as shit, I would do it. <laughs> but okay. Since I'm but not as you, as, educated, as, yeah, as I would Drew not Keen. do it. No, yeah, Drew Keen would not do it for sure. Okay. I'm gonna say I wouldn't do it either. Would you because, do? Would you do it? Like, no, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do it either. I'd have to sell at least enough records to make a shit ton of money. And triple platinum is a lot of records, but it's still not enough for me to be in jail for fucking maybe six months. I don't know what the hell prison's like. I don't want to be there. And like, like, you know, I've been arrested before and like, it's not awesome. But just (laughs) to spend any time in like federal jail. Yeah. You would pay so much money. Yeah, man. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not like, fucking doing it's that. It's insane. Like, dude, it's like, hey, man, give me a billion dollars. Yeah. All right, man. That's so, my... yeah, it, it just brings me to my next question of, like, taking over a radio station in L.A. during that time, I feel like would definitely work as a as a stunt. Um, Now taking over a radio station probably wouldn't do jack shit. Right. People would be on the next thing immediately. I'm just talking in terms of, like, if somebody were to take over a radio station today, not as many people would care, is what I'm saying. Like, even if they pulled off this stunt, I feel like they'd be the flavor of the week. There's just so many outlets now with Spotify and YouTube to get entertainment and music that, like, People would care for maybe a little bit, but you're not selling a shit ton of records like you would back then. And uh, if they were to pull this stunt today, 
I guess my main question is, is there a spot that they would try to take over today? Like, would they try to take over, like, the Spotify studios or something? Or would they just not even think about doing that? Because they wouldn't even get their fucking name out. It's very interesting. It's a very good question. Um, It's hard to say, you know, what a desperate band would do in those, like, in those meaners, in those manners. Yeah, especially now. Especially now, I mean, with um, Spotify and SoundCloud being so huge, those that. Um, I don't think it'd be necessary to take over a radio radio station at all. I feel like it wouldn't be. If this was in 2020, it would fall on deaf ears. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. And even if they took over Spotify, it'd be like, like you said, the one scene where Brendan Fraser goes out and meets up with Ernie Hudson, it'd be like, all right, you're arrested, right. and it'd just be like done. It wouldn't right. work. Again, they're with plastic guns. They have no defense. Yeah. Um. So, moving on, I'm going to ask you a couple more. And one of the main questions that has to deal with the plot of the movie. But uh, does the movie make the music, or does the music make the movie? What's your answer? I'm a little twist on this one, Ben. I'm not going to lie. Because... Okay. The movie, when you watch it, the movie makes the music. But if you think about the times while this movie was recorded and like was made, the movie, the music makes the movie. Like there would be no saying there was there be no music, uh, no movie if the movie if the music was not made. But my overall consensus, I think is that the music makes the movie. Because a movie wouldn't have been made if it weren't for the music in the movie? If it weren't for the like the pop, the, the you know, the punk and uh grunge scene. Okay, this I see movie what you're saying. Would, the, this it movie wouldn't, wouldn't work. Fit. Right. I see I okay, I see what you're saying like that rebellious nature of the band and the other bands throughout the movie. I right. see what you're saying. Without uh, that music, the movie would not be made. So I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to say the movie makes the music. Because there's n- actually not a whole lot of music played throughout this movie. When he breaks it down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's more of a heist movie. And uh, I feel like. I was going to say maybe this movie could work in another era, but as we just explained, it wouldn't work in this era, really, because you wouldn't be able to. Um, but because, just based on the fact that there isn't that much, mo- I don't even know that the Lone Rangers have any more songs other than Degenerate, because yeah. you don't fucking hear any other songs. So for that reason, I'm going to say the movie makes some music in that the movie stands on its own and is a really entertaining movie. Um, I would say that um, my favorite song out of it is The Replacements Unsatisfied, even though it's not a, 
a song played by the band. It's a song off the soundtrack. Um, do you have a favorite song? That, like I said, there's not like a ton to choose from, I feel like, but um, White Zombie a, does play. Go ahead. Wait, so like, they do a cover of, uh, I don't know the band, but they do a cover of Show Your Love by Van Halen. Okay. And uh, also, they cover, they don't, they couldn't have the money to pay the original bands for their songs. They have cover songs the entire, the entire record. That's interesting. Um, so, so there's a cover of Show Your Love by Van Halen, which I think it's great. I yeah. don't know the, I don't know the band that does it, but it's really good. It's, okay. I mean, it's an old, it's a Van Halen one. It's a very good Van Halen song of Show Your Love. It's a David Lee Roth song. It's very good. Gotcha. Speaking of songs, their only song throughout the movie. This is the the one thing we were leading up to throughout this entire podcast. The one big plot hole I feel in this movie is that this whole thing hinges on this song that is written for Brendan Fraser's girlfriend. Yet you look at you listen to the song that finally comes up at the end. It's called Degenerated by Reagan Youth. You listen to it. You look at the lyrics. This does not sound like a fucking song that's written for a girlfriend by any means. Yeah, what, I mean. What do you think? So Degenerated, the song by Reagan Youth and the song sang by Brendan Fraser. This song is not about a girlfriend. It's brought up numerous times in the movie, and then in the, in the first couple of scenes, she says, um, you were the song before you met me, and then he says, Leia's is like, I didn't write this song until I met you. Yeah, and he's like saying throughout the entire movie, I wrote this song for you, but you look at the lyrics, you listen to it, and it's like, this is not a song for a girlfriend at all. To- yeah, it's it not a girlfriend to... song. Some of the lyrics say, Johnny don't care about this world as long as he can fuck his girl and prove that he's a man. Like, what the hell? Yeah. This does not sound like a song for a girlfriend at all. Yeah, I would not say it's a girlfriend song. It doesn't make... It's a big uh, plot hole in the movie. It just kind of doesn't make any sense. I didn't didn't pick up on it until... This latest uh, watch of the of the movie. I mean, um, when, you, when you hear someone say, "I wrote a song for you," I wrote, I wrote a song about you. You wouldn't expect the song that they played at all. Yeah, yeah. Um. So my last question: What do you score this movie? Oh, here we are. Yeah. Um, so i'll give you two scores i'll give you my personal opinion i'll give my actual opinion uh my personal opinion dude a minus i love this film i'd watch it an a flat you mean an a flat a flat excuse me an a flat an a flat i love this film i'd watch it all the time i would stop my day if i was like like doing shit in the house i would stop my day and watch this film i think it's great uh unfortunately the crowd does not agree with me so they're gonna like they're gonna like like a C flat I think is what they they put it at. Yeah, but I mean you like it. I like it a lot. I mean I like Brendan Fraser. I think it's well written. I think the cameos are tasteful. Like it's a fun movie. 
it's a fun movie to watch. I mean, uh, also keep in mind, I've only ever seen this film until today at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like a 1 p.m. stop your day thing. It's like if you yeah. have nothing else going on, you watch this. Yeah. I, uh, my score is probably, it's probably a, a B or a B sharp. B sharp, huh? Yeah, I think it's really good. I think some things could have been a little bit better. I didn't like the whole uh, Kramer shit. Like, that whole part could have been taken out. And I felt like, yeah, and I felt like the ending was kind of abrupt. Like, it was kind of like, okay, now we're at the concert, and then we're back, and then we're into the jail. And then it, like, kind of just ended like that. But uh, other than that, really fun movie and uh, very music industry heavy, and I like that part of it. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good movie, and I think you guys should check it out if you get yeah. a chance to watch it for sure. I think it's very good. Um, I think it still holds up too. It still holds up. I mean, well, times are different, so but it, it, it does. There's still a hold couple up. things here and there that don't hold up, but overall, I think it holds up pretty well. But great movie. I mean, the music movie podcast. I mean, what do you call it? Like a C sharp as their overall. Yeah, I mean, look or at, like look a how you're thinking. Look at like a B. Thinking. Let's say B flat. B flat. Overall B flat. Yeah. But if you're doing nothing at 2 o'clock in the morning and Airhead's on, watch it. Just watch it. Go check yeah. it out. Go check it out. Um, so, um, yeah, I I think that's a, yeah, a good note to end on. Musicmoviespod.com. Check us out there. We're also on Twitter, Spotify. We're on Instagram. Keen and I are just having fun, and I hope you guys are entertained. And, uh... Yeah, check us out next week. I think next week... What did I say we're doing next week? We're doing a Star is Born. Oh, yeah, Star is Born. 